0: You're listening to KALX Berkeley, 90.7 FM, University of California, and listener-supported radio, and this is Methods of the Madness, coming at you from the Public Affairs Department here at CalX, dedicated to celebrating the innovative spirit of the Bay Area. I'm your host, Ali Nazar, and today we are honored to have Crazy George with us. Hey, Crazy George, what's up?
1: You said my name. I like that. Let's <laughs> talk. Let's talk.
0: All right. Let's talk. So we have Crazy George in studio. Crazy George is famous for a lot of things, but... The number one thing I think you're famous for is being the world's first and longest tenured and only full-time cheerleader. Is that I right? I
1: like your title you gave me, and it's perfect. <laughs> yes. All I right. You summed it up perfectly. I am <laughs> the only person probably in the world that makes his job, makes his living cheering for teams, getting people to cheer for the team. That's what I do, and they pay me enough to make a living.
0: Nice. So let's talk about how you get started as a professional cheerleader. You were a you went to San Jose State, is that right?
1: That's right. Mighty San Jose State, yes.
0: <laughs> so what, what started to draw you to cheering? Like Was it something that you had always done, or was it in college? How did you get started?
1: No, I was a pretty quiet person, but my best friend Don bogged and brought a drum and a bugle to a football game. And I couldn't play the bugle because that takes talent. So I started playing the drum and started pounding on it, and all the students at San Jose State started following me and him. And by the end of the football season... I was just sitting in the stands. Everybody was following me. So the cheerleaders asked me to go out. So I went out and they elected me cheerleader the next year. And I was a pathetic cheerleader because I couldn't remember the routines and the words at the same time. I was really bad. So I went off on my own. I started doing my own little thing with my drum. Got everybody following me. And over the years, I just started branching out to pro teams. They loved it. They started hiring me. And in 1975, after teaching for four years, I quit teaching. I had to quit. Those poor kids, I was warping their minds.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're probably screaming on a field is a little bit more of an appropriate place for you. Uh, that's right. <laughs> well, I want to ask about yeah, a lot of things. But you said that the cheerleaders, you couldn't remember their kind of traditional You're like a disruptor. You're not like a normal cheerleader. You call yourself a cheerleader, but you weren't doing the cheerleading routines, how did they take that when you went off on your own?
1: Well, that was the good part. I'm, since I couldn't really fit in with the squad, it was better I worked by myself or off to the side where I could get all the students and the alumni involved in the game. And so that's how I sort of honed my uh, style. And then from then, then on, I was invited to go to an Oakland Seals hockey game for the NHL years ago. And I did one game for for the fun of it. I was invited by a hockey team a baseball team, went up with him, and I got the whole crowd screaming. Nobody knew me. And at the end of the game, um, everybody was was talking about me, and the next day in the paper, it was a big article on me. Nice. And one of the players said, if he comes back, I'd give him a ticket. So <laughs> I called him up. And he, he gave me a ticket. I went to another game. Pretty soon I was a regular at the Oakland Seals hockey games.
0: Oakland Seals. Where did they play?
1: They played uh, in the Coliseum, okay. where, where the Warriors play. Yeah, it was great.
0: So you, um, so you were at San Jose State is where you kind of found this passion. It sounds like you went, you diverted for teaching for a little while. What were you teaching?
1: I diverted.
0: What were you teaching? I, <laughs> what you teaching? Just I was, that,
1: I was teaching very little.
0: Those poor that students. That was the what, what was the subject matter? <laughs> I taught
1: woodshop, metal shop, and electronics.
0: Oh, okay, I see. As a, a shop, shop teacher. teacher. Okay, I got that. now it makes sense. So, um, you, uh, you came back at San Jose State. You did a little Oakland schools, but wasn't it like the big place you got discovered was at the Earthquakes? Is that is yes? That that was was that
1: was the first pro team I ever worked for, except the Oakland Seals, which weren't paying me.
0: They weren't paying you. So no, you, got, you got a check at the Earthquakes game.
1: Yes, I went in there, and they actually called me up, and they said, would you like to open up the season for us and be with us for some of the games? And I said, well, sure, I'd love it. And they, and they asked me They said, well, how much do you want to get paid? And I said, well, how about 35 bucks a game? And yes, they gave me 35 bucks a game. You should
0: ask for more. Well, I did.
1: After about three games, i realizing... Maybe I should ask for more. This crowd reaction was the greatest crowd reaction you could ever see in your life. It just revolutionized soccer. Up to that point, there was nobody drawing over 7,000 people a game for professional soccer. That game, first game, 16,000. And they were mayhem there. The fans became fanatics, and like one, well, it's not quarters in there, but before the first half, everybody was going nuts. And I was on full time with that team.
0: What was what year was that?
1: 1974, first year of the Quakes, and I started. I'm still with the Earthquakes, and I'm opening up their new stadium on the 22nd of March.
0: Wow! Did you say 1974? 74. That yes. is. 40 for those not ago, good at math, that's 40-plus years plus ago. Plus years, yes. Yeah, that's amazing. So your first professional gig for 35 bucks a game was then, for the earthquakes. Yep. And then I think I read somewhere that Lamar Hunt was oh, in Ah, Lamar. The yeah, so Lamar for people Hunt, who owner don't know, the Kansas
1: City Chiefs. No,
0: this is, the, this is the NFL, the big boys. Big boys, He yes, saw sir. you whip this crowd into a frenzy.
1: Yes, he did. He saw me doing this earthquake game, the first game he couldn't believe the reaction. And it was his league. The earthquakes were part of his league. He so this was not
0: the, the MLS. This is an old league, yeah, right? What was the name of that an league? An ASL,
1: I think. Okay. What a memory I have. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's amazing.
1: So he saw me there. And somehow over the next year, he said, I, I would really yeah. like to see George at a football game at Kansas City. And the manager arranged it. And I went in. And this was the greatest. And now I'm actually with a really glamorous team that Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I go in unannounced, unknown. Nobody knew me. Is it, is
0: it Arrowhead? Or was it? Was that was it, Arrowhead. It was. Yes. Wow. It was, so it was fabulous. Like Sixty thousand people. Sixty
1: seventy thousand people. I went in before the first quarter. I started work, working the crowd. By the first quarter, I had cheers going anywhere. By the f- first half, I had back and forth. Kansas City, oh no, KC, K C, back and forth across the stadium. They couldn't believe it. The whole game, they stayed all f- sixty thousand people stayed, and they lost forty five to nothing. Wow! And they still stayed, and Lamar Hunt couldn't believe it. He said, "When we have a game like this, nobody's here at the end of the game, and they stayed. I want you full time."
0: Wow! So you got hired full time, full time for the
1: whole season for him.
0: Wow. So you had uh, $35 per game in the, in the soccer. What, what did they, well, they pay you for that? Well, now it went up to
1: 500 a game. Wow. Nah, that, that was good. That's now, pretty sweet. Yes. So now
0: you're way. starting to see, you're like, wow, well, I could, is this the first time when you're like, I could do this for a living? If well, it started a off
1: a little earlier than that when the, the, the St. Louis Blues called me back in like 1972 and offered me a full-time contract. This guy was like a Renaissance guy. He owned the Blues. He saw me at, at the Oakland Seals games. He thought it was so great. He wanted to hire me. He wanted me to quit teaching, come there, and he was going to pay me 12000 bucks to do the 40 home games. I was making 9000 a year full-time teaching. Wow! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So he made the offer, but it, had been con- it, it only would it go out and the offer would be effective if the Oakland Seals folded. They were folding, but they were kept there for two more years, and both years he made the offer. The third year came around. I was ready to go. I was ready to quit teaching, and he got ill, and he stopped working with the uh, St. Louis Blues, so I lost out on that. But it gave me the idea that somebody might pay me that much.
0: So how did you get to the first kind of – did you ever get a gig where it was like a whole season, like after the Kansas City – that was was that for the Chiefs? Did you do the whole yeah, season? Yeah, the Kansas City
1: Chiefs hired me at the same time the Colorado Rockies ice hockey hired me, the BC Lions Canadian football hired me, and that was all in 1975-76. So I was making enough money, I could quit teaching.
0: Nice. So we're talking to Crazy George, who is the world's only full-time professional cheerleader here on K. And
1: professional male model, I like to think of myself like
0: that? (laughs) I'm sorry. I I forgot that part. Okay. Um, This is uh, Methods of the Madness on KALX Berkeley 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Ali Nazar. And so, George, you got this crazy idea that you could do this for a living. Now, I have a question. First of all, you've talked a lot about different sports. Is there different tactics that you use in different sports?
1: Actually, not really. I act like a fan wants to react. That's why I'm successful. When I go into a game, well, maybe it wasn't that forty-five to nothing Kansas City Chiefs game that I did first, but I do the as many fan cheers as the fans want, and I react like a fan wants to. I just stand up. The secret is, I stand up. I turn around. I look at the fans. They look down and say, "He must be our leader," <laughs> because I'm looking at them instead of the field. So, well, you
0: also have a loud drum that helps too. Oh, that's
1: it. Well. I don't want to admit it, but 90% of my success is my drum.
0: <laughs> don't give away all the secrets I, right here. This is the secret, actually.
1: <laughs> Without the drum getting people's attention, yeah, I would have never been effective. That's my my secret. I hit that drum. Everybody looks down at me. I wait for the action to die down so I can make them do what I want to do. They understand what I want to do. I get a total attention. I wait for the moment when the f- cheer should be done. I do the cheer everybody reacts i get i get like 99% reaction from the fans
0: so um you you say that the it's really it sounds like it's like um you you're locked into kind of like a vibe with the fans it's like it doesn't matter what the sport is you're kind of playing back for them what they want to do
1: right and every sport is is pretty similar except for the basketball it's a tough sport for me to work because the action never stops. It's just up and down, up and down. And they score like every 20 seconds. Yeah. So with every 20 seconds, if I had to do a cheer, I would die at the end of the game. <laughs> so basketball is a little uh, tough for me to work. But all the other sports, they're just great. There's a lot of stoppage of the action. The, you know, the, they're in the huddles, whatever they're doing, baseball, they're warming up. And it's just great. So I can get in the cheers I need to get in.
0: So what about um – the the cheers themselves. Is it more are you like a like a you know, a improvisational master of just coming to you or do you come in prepared like you have some cheers you're gonna do no matter what?
1: No matter what I never practice. <laughs> I never think about it. That was great. From the time I started that first game at San Jose State with my drum and that my partner handed me, it was just a natural sense I think. I don't know why I had it. I'm a fan, I guess, of sports, but you know, I just knew when to cheer, when not to cheer, what type of cheers. And I just made them up, never think about them. I'm watching the game. I'm thinking about the game. I'm looking at the action. I go, what type of cheer do we need here? And it just comes to me. I do the cheer. It's always the right cheer. It's always appropriate, never off-colored. I have never done an off-colored cheer in my life. And, and another secret why I'm successful is most of these other people that have come along in the, in the later years, they get these outlandish outfits. They look like they're from Mars sometimes. Well, people don't want to cheer from a guy from Mars. They want to cheer for me, a human. You know, oh, that guy, he looks human enough. Well, maybe not quite human, but close. So they go, oh, okay, George is one of us. And he's, they see me sweating. They, they, they see I'm working harder than the players, man. I get comments from the fans in the third quarter. They'll go, George, you're working harder than the players. You're sweating. I sweat so much during the game.
0: And so I do see like the jean shorts seem to be the signature look for you. Is that is that oh, like a is that a signature? That is my signature. It I is. had
1: my Levi shorts on for the last fifty <laughs> years. I think cheering always wear the same old raggedy cut off shorts. <laughs> yep.
0: Nice. Okay. So um, let's talk about you know this show is about innovation, and of course being the first full time male full time cheerleader in the world. Is innovation enough. But you also created maybe the signature crowd move. Now I know it's a linear contention. We don't have to go there, but I'm I'm gonna accredit it to you. You Yes, I have
1: it accredited by what is it called? New York Times credited me with the it. New York so Times. Okay, if they credited the, pap- I did the it. paper
0: of record has accredited Crazy and George so with the did wave. ESPN. So. ESPN. So the wave you invented the wave. I
1: invented the wave. <laughs> I gotta tell you, the wave I vote. I invented it at the Oakland A's New York Yankee playoff game, October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-one, when Billy Martin was the manager. So this I is Billy that. Ball, the Billy, Billy Ball. Era. Ball
0: so you yep. were there as a playoff game. People were excited. A's Yankees. Now how'd you how'd you come up with this idea of coordinating these? Probably it was like fifty thousand people in the stadium. Yeah, there was
1: forty-seven thousand fans, and, and unfortunately, I, for the other places that I actually was doing a pre-wave, I was doing waves at other places. Unfortunately, they were smaller. Practice There was no national TV. Okay. Uh, There wasn't a lot of witnesses. So I don't – I really could take credit even earlier than that. But the Oakland A's game, I have it on video. Yeah. Three separate times. Billy Martin was there. But Joe Gargioli was the announcer announcer who's famous – Announcer, and he uh, he testifies that was the first and best wave he's uh, he's ever he ever saw. So that's why I say that's the day I invented. But it took a process of about four years, starting with a three-section shear of San Jose State, okay. where each section of of the student body would stand up and just say oh, San Jose State, and from that idea. As, as the years went by, as a professional cheerleader, I had a lot of opportunity to do these three-section cheers at different places, changing the name. Yeah. And finally, I got to the Colorado Rockies, and I had the Go Rockies Go cheer three sections, and it was looking good. And the section over there wanted to get involved a little, so I tried to do Go Rockies Go Rockies, four <laughs> sections. and. The fifth section wanted to do it, and it kept going a little bit. Yeah. And from there, I said, well, it's too complicated going, go Rockies, go So I just said, stand up and yell, go. Yeah. So back then, I was thinking it went more like the go cheer, but they just go, go. And I, when I started that, it went all the way around the Colorado Rockies uh, arena. Okay. And so that really was about as close to a wave as you could get. Unfortunately, and it was they loved it, but the Colorado Rockies only drew about – Five thousand people in a fifteen thousand seat arena, so it yeah. was very few opportunities to do it in. It was never televised. I never had it on video, so that's the the, the idea where it started. But the call from there, I came, I brought it back and started in Oakland. That's the day I invented it.
0: So at the A's game, um, how hard was it to communicate to the fans? Because you know, now everybody knows how to do a wave. That's but right. How did, how did you like telepathically tell 47,000 people to stand up at the right time? There's a lot of coordination involved in a wave. Yes.
1: See, I know the power of booing.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> so I went to three sections and got them organized. And by then, I'd already been doing the wave at high school rallies where it was continuous. They didn't have... They didn't have aisles, so I had to just do it continuously. So I knew what I wanted. So I went to these three sections and said, well, you guys stand up. And as, they, as it comes around, the next section, I want you to stand up. And then I went to the next section. I was screaming and yelling. And then I went back to them and said, now you understand what you're going to do. You start to stand up, then you guys stand up, then you guys. Well, I'm re- yelling so loud at them, and I'm preparing this. And it's all started like in the fourth inning. But I hadn't started it yet, but I told them what I wanted. But then I said... When we start this, people down there will not know what they're supposed to do or even see it coming. So when it dies, and it will die, boom. <laughs> and so they were already, and I waited for a break of the action. And you had to wait for a foul ball or something to give a couple of, you know, 30, 40 seconds of break. So it came, and I don't know what, what the break of action was. But I got the three sections going. I, they started and went about, since I was yelling so loud at these three to get them organized, I'd say the next four or five could hear me. And they sort of got the idea what they wanted to do. So I started and went about seven, eight sections and died right out. And I had my three or four sections boo and it was a great <laughs> boo. I started a second time. This time it went all the way around. I started way out in the left field. And I started it it came around and went all the way to behind home plate and died again. Now everybody booed, and this was a great boo. Now everybody in the stadium figured out, oh, we see what he wants. <laughs> started it the third time, and it just started rolling all three decks. did it. It was marvelous. They kept coming around, went all the way to the outfield, all the way back. Gets back to where I'm standing. Everybody in the three sections stands up in unison. And applause. <laughs> and I'm going, no, you don't You're get supposed the concept to concept of this. It. <laughs> it's supposed to keep going. So I started it the fourth time. All three decks came. And when it came by, my section was like a locomotive. I mean, it just ripped on by, kept on going. Went around about seven, eight times. Crowd went nuts. Joe Gargiola was up there in the booth going crazy. Get that on video. Get that thing. <laughs> And they didn't know how to film it, all the cameramen. The first couple of shots you see of the wave, all you see is a couple of people on the far right of the screen sort of sitting down. Everybody else is just sitting because they're behind it. But they finally got a good shot of it.
0: Nice. So we're we're talking to Crazy George here on KLX Berkeley's Methods of the Madness. I'm your host, Ali Nazar. And he's telling us about how he invented the wave. That's the first glorious appearance of the wave on this planet. And now it's pretty much all... Everybody does it everywhere.
1: Oh, everywhere. Well, everywhere is the world, and the world calls it the Mexican wave. What? Yes, the whole world.
0: It's not the Uh, crazy wave? And
1: I have Seattle trying to claim it, but they did it two weeks later. I finally have them shutting up most of the time. (laughs) But it's hard to take on the world. But it went down to the World Cup in in 86. uh, Mexico had it, and they'd already seen the wave up here. They took it down, and they were doing it at all the venues in Mexico for the World Cup game. The whole world saw it. Now the whole world calls it the Mexican wave.
0: So in the A's game, what did the players do? It was a playoff game. It was like a really high-pressure game, and all of a sudden the crowd goes nuts, but for nothing on the field. Did they, Did they? Was there any comments afterwards? Were oh, they... I
1: mean, the fans loved it. I mean, I I think I've had 50,000 fans come at me say they were there when it was only 47,000. Everybody was, oh, I was there, George. And we saw it, and it was the greatest thing.
0: Cool. Well, um, that's like your... Probably your signature cheer, like you know, yes, you're it known is. for everybody, that.
1: Everybody knows it, but it's yeah. not my signature cheer for when I know I've had the the fans in my hand and I know I've succeeded.
0: Yeah, what and is my, that?
1: My, that's my back and forth cheer across the stadium. With I do KC if it's Kansas City, and uh, I, the first the first Houston Oil game I ever did. um Bud Adams hired me because he saw how great I was in Kansas City, and he said, "George, he says." How long is it going to take you to get Houston Oilers back and forth at the game? How many games? And I said, I'll do it the first game. He said, no. <laughs> and then he says, he says, Well, I'm gonna get a microphone for you so you can tell everybody. I said, I don't use a microphone.
0: I was gonna it, ask, you know have you used a bullhorn or anything? No, not
1: until the last couple of years I use a mic some of the time. Yeah, but I, yeah. up till like five years I never used a microphone. Just, you're just, a just purist. my voice. Yeah. But then I says, he says, I'll advertise you. I want to advertise everybody knows you're here. And I said, no, I don't need advertising. I'll come in unknown. I don't want any microphone. Why Why, uh, it what,
0: how, why do you think it, about it that way? You don't want any help? What, is it more well, organic it, it, that way? No,
1: it's, it's maybe I'm a coward because I don't want the burden of everybody expecting something from me. Ah. And I just go in and they really, they don't know who I am. They're just sitting there, and all at once, there's this crazy guy in this <laughs> section. Then there's a crazy guy in the next section. And an hour later, I've hit 40 sections, and everybody's going, who is this guy? And they're not thinking about following me yet. Maybe for the first 20, 40 minutes, I'm getting each little section cheering. But every, every section I do, I get a cheer. The next section, I get a louder cheer. Next section, a louder cheer. Next sec- To the point where I can now tie in four or five sections to a really loud cheer for the third of the place. And I keep getting work in every section, everywhere. So I'm up yeah. close. I'm personal. I'm threatening their lives. <laughs> and then it gets to the point. I tell one side. I'm going to the other side. And I'm going to yell, K. What do you think you're supposed to yell back? <laughs> C! And, I, and about 20 minutes later, I'm on the other side. I'm setting up. We're yelling K. Yeah. But of course, not that many people on the C sides ready to go. But once I do the K, and it's so loud. And then when I point to the other side, I'm waiting. It doesn't come back very loud. <laughs> the boo comes the boost, in. I boost. said, boom, <laughs> And they all boo. Well, the next one I do K. And when I point to that C, it's twice as loud as the K. I nice. mean, they go nuts over it. But once it starts, it just adds energy to each side. They want to outdo each other's competition in the stands. And then I know the team is going to bring me
0: back. All right, so that's that's the victory. You've got um the wave is the signature thing, but it's really the call and response when you feel like you really Oh yeah. Got once the I crowd. created
1: that back and forth cheer across the state. They've never n- nobody's ever ever even saw something like that. Yeah. ever. I mean and and now you're they're seeing this huge massive response from all the fans. And the owner of the team usually comes up after the game and says, I want to hire you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, let me ask you about, that's like the height. What about like as a professional cheerleader, you've probably had some lows. Like what was, can you give us a story of you tried something, you thought it was like the greatest idea ever, you know, just like you couldn't get him to do
1: it. Nope. Nope. Never I've happened? Not really. <laughs> I've, I've had one out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games. I've done over a hundred teams. Well over 100 teams, but some of the teams I've done 50, 60 times. So I don't know what that multiplies out to, but I have been lots of games. I just never added them up, but I did add up. I appeared in front of 25 million fans. In front of them, wow! not on TV. So it, it's been a big Yeah, with
0: audience. TV, I mean, you've been in playoff games. And lots of people have seen you.
1: Right. When I lost track, what was I answering? What question was I answering? <laughs> well,
0: you said I stumped you. I asked you, have you ever flopped? You said oh, no. So okay. Okay. Well, I did have one bad
1: experience, and I, I still want to kill the group. It was, uh, I don't know what the team was. It was a football team. And they're bringing me, and I'm going in the same way I always go in, unannounced, unknown, no microphone. And some PR guy comes up to me before the game and says, you know what we did, George? We got a big ad campaign going. And we're going to have 12 lookalikes like you carrying oh. drums. And we're going to give them an award. Who's the who's the best crazy George? So they got 12 guys looking like me running around. <laughs> and nobody's ever, ever saw me work to start with. I've never been there. And I could have killed this guy.
0: Bad idea. Oh, it was
1: a terrible idea. And I... At the end of the game, the only solace I have is is say they awarded some guy, you know, the prize for being the best Crazy George lookalike, and I had like ten people standing by me when they awarded. And they said, "Well, Crazy George, you're better than them. Why did you? You should have got the award. They were pathetic. You were great, <laughs> and I wasn't great. That there was so much distraction. Yeah, I, that was me a, a failure.
0: Well, you're you're you know you're an artist. You can't. You can, they shouldn't be trying to mess with your process. Oh, it you know what disaster. you're doing. But that
1: was one game out of. Thousands I've done. It's okay,
0: well, let me ask a different question. What's the most dangerous cheer you've done? I was looking at some videos of you, like balancing, and like have you? It seems like you're pushing the envelope a little bit. Is there any anything well, that's I, dangerous? I you've think done? the thing
1: that got dangerous was my entrances. I made a lot of entrances when I got with the San Jose Earthquakes. Yeah, um, I started doing it working with Dick Berg, the general manager. And He says, "Well, I want you to bring the ball in the first game. Our opening game in '74." So he had me coming in an ambulance, <laughs> hidden in the back, and the whole, the whole crowd went dead silent. Here's this ambulance coming in, pulls up in front of the player's bench. They think some player had died. It's the first game. They didn't know what was going on. They pull the gurney out. I'm under the blanket. I pull it off, and they go nuts, and that's how the game started. Nice. But then I had to top it. Yeah. Every, every game. I think I'd I saw come.
0: you on a helicopter yes, in one a picture. Yes, the helicopter
1: was fun, and I belt the buckle, but I'd stand on the outside rail, but it looked like <laughs> I stand. I do that. I came in in Ferraris. I came in every. I came in with a lion. Now this is why it gets absurd. I came in with a full-grown 450-pound lion and the trainer. We get to we get to center field. The trainer trips. The lion attacks him. No. This is his lifelong friend. Is it earthquakes? No, no, this was in Dallas, the Dallas Dallas Tornado. And now underneath the lion, he is bleeding. He's getting mauled. I'm 10 feet from him holding my drum. And when I was with the lion trainer, he told me, never, ever hit your drum around the lion. I said, good (laughs) advice. Well, now he's underneath me, underneath the lion. And out from underneath that lion, I hear the stupidest comment I ever heard. He yells, Get him off me. Ah, ah. (laughs) He can't be talking to me, I thought. And I looked around, the only other guy on the field. And then he had the gall to say it again. Get him off me. Well, what could I do? I took my drum and I went. And the lion stopped eating him.
0: Did he try to eat you then? He
1: spun right around and looked at me. Yikes. I did not like this, but <laughs> yeah. I had to do I I I don't know if I had to do it, but I hit it. Yeah. When it took like four or five seconds and by then the other lion trainer that was off the saw what was happening. And by the time that all happened, he had already come to the scene and grabbed the other line and and helped the guy off and he had to go to the hospital because he was bleeding.
0: Wow, so you're also – we'll add that to the resume, Lion, lion trainer,
1: Lion I tamer. So. I was a very good Lion trainer for four seconds. <laughs>
0: All right. So we're talking to Crazy George here on K L X Berkeley. We've got a couple more minutes. So we talked about the earthquakes. So it's coming full circle. You're starting the new – you're christening the new stadium, right? What's going oh, on I with have that? a lot of things going. Yes, I'm
1: christening the new stadium on uh, March 22nd. That's their first game at home. We're going to christen that. I'm going to be the what do you, the grand marshal – of the rose white and blue parade in San Jose with thirty five thousand people on the Fourth of July. Nice. Yeah, they asked me to be the grand marshal. I'm I'm practicing my queen wave, and I've been <laughs> doing corporate meetings. I've been and I got my book out. You got to talk about my book.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how did this book come about?
1: Oh, my book. My book is called Crazy George. Still crazy after all these cheers <laughs> and uh, all the fans just kept in asking me to write it. And then I did have a controversy with the Seattle about the wave and I wanted to document that in the book. So I documented that. And then also from writing the book, I found out I was a huge factor in the 12th man factor for the Santos for the NFL for the football.
0: For the Seahawks.
1: So I I, I had that, that strand, but yeah, I, I love the book. It, it, I, in fact, I don't know if I'm prejudiced, but I think it's maybe the greatest sports book ever written.
0: It could be. It's definitely an so. excellent cover. I have it in my hands here. And thankfully, you know, you've cheered for a lot of teens, but you kept it real with the A's. or That's who you're representing on the cover. Yes, so thank you very much. the
1: Oakland A's, because I invented the wave there, and a lot of the articles are about the wave, or a lot of yeah. the book is about the wave. And so I thought that was very appropriate. I had the greatest time with the A's. The Haas family kept me... Just treated me great. It was fabulous.
0: So it's called Crazy George, the inventor of the wave. Still crazy after all these cheers. Can you find it on Amazon or something yes, like that? Yes, it's on
1: Amazon yeah. and it's on uh, Kindle and it's on my website, crazygeorge.com. And if you don't look at my website, I'll slash your tires. Yeah,
0: so there <laughs> you have the threat from one and only Crazy George. It starts with a K. That's how you spell it. Oh, yes, that's K-R-A-Z. why K R A Z. That's why I should have never been a teacher. (laughs) Well, you're a shop teacher. That's right. (laughs) So crazygeorge.com. Yes, that's my
1: website. And, And just like in the book, I have a lot of pictures on it. Yeah, lots of pictures. There's
0: videos. There's some really great stuff up there. And so I really want to thank you for coming in today, Crazy George. It's great to meet you and hear the stories about your 40 plus years of being the world's only full time professional cheerleader. And
1: as I like to think of myself, professional male model.
0: And professional male model. And they never paid me for that. And nominee for People's Sexiest Man Alive. Self nominated. Thank you. And um, that's all the time we have for today. Um, and it's going to be the uh, 35th anniversary, actually, just a mention of the wave being created this next that's summer. That's right. Are you going to go to the A's? And, I'd love to go to the A's yeah. for the
1: 35th anniversary so, of the wave. So, Mr.
0: Wolf, if you're here, if you're listening to this, let's get on that. Get Crazy George out to the Coliseum. Thanks. And you are listening to the Menace on KALX Berkeley 90.7 FM. Thanks again for coming in, Crazy George. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Everybody, everybody have a great Friday. Yeah.